afternoon we will continue with the heart practices, the Brahma Viharas, which have already been introduced. So firstly, I want to invite you to be uh, comfortable, if you like, if you can. Not so comfortable that you're indulging uh, laziness or checking out, but if the body can find some ease, it could be helpful. So just a reminder that there's permission for that. Brahma Viharas, as I think Joanna said, divine abodes, uh, the four immeasurables. As I said on the first night, uh, this word Vihara uh, refers to a resting place. In many parts of the world, there are uh, Buddhist viharas set up, and those are places where you can go and get away from the elements and often get some food or tea and sometimes even a, a place to sleep for the night. And so there's a, the word conveys a sense of possible safety or rest. And the term Brahma translates often as high or lofty. And there's a whole social context for this that we might be, particularly now, inclined to completely reject. And was interested in finding a new term and myself completely throwing that word out a couple of years ago, and I did some sleuthing and found an old passage attributed to the Buddha where this word Brahma is equated with spiritual aptitude and skillful action. Knowing how to do something well, and so the uh, credit given, uh, the title, or the acknowledgement of Brahma in this case would be because someone has good qualities like wisdom or kindness or compassion. And they know what to do with them. So there's, if you will, uh, in the Brahma Viharas, the cultivation of appropriate usage. This afternoon I want to introduce compassion. So the first two days we did kindness, and I see this as a natural progression. I, I do see it as a natural progression, and for some of you, if there's been some struggle with metta, maybe compassion will be helpful. Some people need to do metta before compassion, some people prefer and have better success doing compassion before, etc., etc. So. It's all an experiment, and, and, and part of the rationale for 
going through at least a couple of the Brahma Viharas with you on retreat, and so that you have these different tools and over time are learning uh, which ones to use when. Compassion is not an emotion, and I think it can fall into that category. Um, some teachers say it's also not a mind state. I'm not sure if I agree with that, but I do think for certain it's not an emotion. It operates differently. I think of compassion as being, if you will, emerging or coming together of wisdom with the heart quality of kindness and being directed toward difficulty or hardship or suffering. So there's a particular kind of aim or trajectory. I also think there's generosity in this. So I might say that compassion is the coming together of wisdom, the heart quality of kindness, and generosity, which directs our well-wishing, our intentions, toward what is difficult. So practicing compassion is training ourselves to attend to suffering or pain or distress. And this ultimately allows us to engage a much wider territory. It allows us to engage a greater expanse, uh, a greater range of life experience, and ultimately, therefore, allows us to be more connected both to ourselves and to others. And formally, we do do this practice both for ourselves and others, or we can do this practice both for ourselves and others. And not unlike meta, it can be difficult or there can be resistance. I have my own, my own experiences of, of this. Uh, many people, and it's already happened on, on this retreat, uh, many people have a hard time with metta because there is an inability to understand when the teachings are introduced that saying phrases could result in something like kindness, that saying phrases, my, my view at the beginning was that there was no way that saying phrases over and over again could possibly create a mind state. There was way too much doubt for me to get behind the practice. And some people will report a very similar experience around compassion. I also had, I also had trouble with compassion, but for uh, an additional reason. I, I did also doubt that the <coughs> phrases could work. But more problematically for me, it wasn't necessarily that I didn't believe I could cultivate compassion, but that I didn't feel with regard to myself that I needed it. And there's a very specific reason for this that took a long time to understand. I had become 
okay. This is how I like to talk about it. I have become okay. What I had done, essentially, was I created a persona of being okay. I didn't know that I was doing it. I didn't know that I had done that. It was a presentation. I presented uh, Chris that I wanted others to see and to believe in. Vulnerability or being real would have been, uh, actually it would have freed me a lot sooner if I had uh, caught on to this, but uh, it presented too great of a threat for me. So what I'm saying is, I had not only maybe fooled some others in my life, but I had completely fooled, I'm sure there were other people who could see through it, but I had fooled myself, for sure. And I had actually started to believe that. And so it was a, it was a master repression of certain parts of myself. And so there was, there was nothing to be, in my perception, Nothing to be compassionate toward in my own experience. And of course, I needed to present myself in a way that felt safe, which for me meant that I would be loved or liked. And um, there was nothing to get into, nothing to tend to, nothing to nurture, nothing to care for. Uh, But it was all a great bullshit project. And I think in the short term, it did keep me safe, but it kept me quite disconnected. Of course, in the long run, um, I learned that I wasn't safe at all. Even just the effort to keep that up was a burden became kind of an, once I started to see it, it became an overwhelm. I realized it was sapping a lot of energy. Socially, I was awkward, whereas I had done that to create social safety. So when I think about my own experiences with compassion and reflect on my conversation with others, I see this almost synonymous with care. Care is the provision of what is necessary for the health, welfare, and protection of someone. I was working in a middle school, high school, combined middle school, high school at one time. I spent three years there and one of the teachers who was the the head of the school, she said, and in fact built an entire educational platform around her idea that fairness was not everybody getting the same thing but everybody getting what they needed. So this compassion practice um, 
can be quite personal and it can be situational if we're doing compassion for others. What's, what's happening in the world? What are we choosing to pay attention to? What are we choosing to preserve or protect or heal? And the same goes for yourself. And so, as I referenced in my talk, this is also a practice of honesty and, and I see the, all of the Dharma as a practice of honesty. So I want to give you three phrases and I'll, and I'll give them to you before we do the practice so that I can say something about them. And some of you, some of you know this practice and, and, and have done it and are doing it. And for others who have been exposed to compassion practice or have done some reading about it, these phrases might, might be a little bit different. The first phrase is simply, I see you. Okay, it's just that, I see you. Okay, now there's a reason for this. This is, and, and, and there's a subtext or a meaning. One of, one of my teachers who I'm working a lot with, uh, he, he really emphasizes the, the cultivation component of the Brahma Viharas. Bhavana in Pali, to cultivate. And he says, he uses the word think. He says, if, he says, the phrases aren't always enough. You need to call to mind or think about what you mean when you say the phrase. And I've learned from him that often the phrase really isn't enough. And for me, it just, it's rote, it's mechanical and nothing is happening. And so I'm learning how to evoke the feeling through reflecting on what I mean when I say that phrase. And this can be true for all of the Brahma Viharas. I see you, I'm acknowledging you, or I'm acknowledging your pain or my pain. I'm not repressing, I'm not avoiding, I'm not turning away. I'm not going to avoid the truth of your pain or my own as a strategy to avoid how I feel in relationship to pain. So this is what we might, in really basic terms, call showing up. I see you as showing up for a situation. I care about you, the second phrase. This means I am curious about how and why you suffer. This means I won't abandon you or yourself. So if I see you as showing up, I care about you as staying. And the third phrase is, may you be safe and met with kindness. May you be safe and met with kindness. And if you're using this third phrase toward yourself, you can just say, I'm here for you. This simply and very directly means, I hope your pain is reduced or alleviated. I hope your pain is reduced or alleviated. 
So if I see you as showing up, and I care about you as staying, may you be safe and met with kindness is intending. So it's a little bit more action-oriented. I would argue that the first two are also very action-oriented. But this has a different quality to it. Feels, you can feel the, the meta in it. You can feel the, the well-wishing. Okay, so let's, let's try this together if you're open to it. So do whatever you need to establish a posture that has some ease in it and is also stable. The idea is that you're not really working hard with the posture. And just take a moment to settle into the body. Maybe notice the breath or sensation whatever's working for you this afternoon with your own practice. Just letting my words go and contacting your own bodily experience very directly without making any demands on your own experience. Often that's enough, not to, not to make any demands on our own experience. And I'd like to ask you, if you're willing to turn your mind toward those you have seen or known to have experienced pain or misfortune. That could be a group of people. It could be one person that you know. It could be an animal. It could be someone with an illness. And it could, it could be someone you've had difficulty with in your own life. Maybe there's a little bit of tension. You don't have to pick... Of, uh, you know, an extraordinarily complex relationship, but you could choose someone with whom there's some confusion or difficulty, some tension. And see if you can hold a felt sense of those people or that person whether it's singular or plural. In here, just notice what happens when you do that. And if nothing happens, that's also okay. What does it feel like in your own body to reflect in this way on a person or people who are experiencing hardship or pain 
distress, fear. Fear is a great suffering. Lack of safety, great suffering. These four immeasurables attempt to combat immeasurable suffering. And maintaining this felt sense or maybe even an image, though the image is not required if it's there, that can be helpful. And you can just hear the words as I say them. Let them wash over the mind and body. I see you. I'm going to choose to acknowledge you. So we're intending to cultivate a sense of relationship, uh, a sense of being with. I see you. I care about you. I care about you. And the felt sense of care might not be there right now. And so it's appropriate to just rely on the phrase to give the mind something to focus on. May you be safe and met with kindness. May you be safe and met with kindness. I see you. And if you like, you can just see them in the mind's eye visually without turning away. I see you. I care about you. I'm curious about how and why you are afraid or suffering or in distress. or lonely. I care about you. May you be safe and met with kindness by all who enter your space.
May you be safe and met with kindness. I wish this for you. I see you care about you. May you be safe and met with kindness. Continuing to recite these phrases on your own, adjusting the pace faster or slower, in a way that feels natural. <clears throat> and allowing at any time that there's a felt sense of the meaning underneath the words or phrases, to take that as the object of your meditation and to abide or rest in that quality. And if you get distracted, you can just come back to the beginning, to the first phrase, and start over again. I see you. I see you. I will continue to see you. I am not going to avoid the truth of your pain as a strategy to avoid how I feel in relationship to your pain.
I care about you. I will stay. I will stay in the feeling. I will stay in the conversation. May you be safe and met with kindness by all who enter your space. I wish this for you. Even though I know this doesn't always happen for you. These phrases and these practices do not rely on current circumstances in the outside world. They rely on our aspiration inside our own heart and mind. May you be safe and met with kindness by those who enter your space. Now I'd like to encourage you to turn this same practice toward yourself. You might want to take a few long, full, 
breaths. You can, if you like, you can open your eyes and look around the room. And Tibetan teacher Trungpa Rinpoche used to talk about the value of a fresh start. We don't totally disengage from the practice, but we do loosen the effort temporarily, and then we reconnect. So again, noticing your own body. What is the body feeling like? Is it tighter? Is it more open? Now I'd like you to consider, if you're open to it, some aspect of yourself that you have a hard time accepting. And these parts often show up on meditation retreat and we've spoken quite a bit about this in uh, group meetings. Some aspect of yourself you have a hard time accepting or being kind or loving to. Parts of yourself that bring up judgment. And there is a correlation here to insight. We start to learn things about ourselves and some of those things are hard to hold. They're hard to be honest about. So these are the kinds of things that I'm talking about. So we're becoming intimate if you will, with our own insight. Because some insights are prone to repression. Particularly when they reveal parts of ourself that are uncomfortable or unwanted. And we don't think about insight being prone to repression. So how familiar can you be with all parts of yourself and how friendly can you be? So these could be habits or perceived limitations, views you have or hold about yourself. Something that's unresolved, some grief or loss, some sadness, anger, And choose one thing. And don't work too hard at it, just whatever comes up. I see you. I may not have looked this closely before, but I see you. I'm showing up this time. I care about you. I'm curious about how and why you suffer. This is where insight and heart practices come together. 
I'm curious about how and why you suffer. I am here for you, or I am kindly here for you, or I am gently here for you. Just as I wish others to be met with kindness, I intend to meet myself in this way. I see you. In this seeing, you can drop the words and you can just hold a felt sense of this part of yourself. Remember, this is a being with. The words are not that important. Staying in touch. care about you. I won't abandon you or turn away. Even though I may have in the past. This time I'm staying. kindly and gently here for you. Even though I may not have been in the past, I intend to make this change. Some days I will be able and other days I will not. So you create an alliance with the intention. And that's enough. And as before, continuing to recite these phrases, on your own, at whatever pace feels natural, resting into the feeling beneath the words and coming back to the beginning if you get distracted. I see you, I care about you, I am kindly here for you.